Hello and welcome to Case Reopened. I'm your host, Tyler Treese, and joining me as always is my co-host, the great detective of the North, Chelsea Rebecca. I mean, uh, <laughs> uh, Colleen, how are you? Uh, I'm doing well. I'm a little flabbergasted at the moment, but uh, yeah, you just keep talking and uh, I'll try and follow along. So I, I checked our iTunes reviews today, or uh, Apple Podcasts, sorry. Uh, and there was a five-star review, thank you, from I'm Denzel, which was posted December 17th, 2020, and he, he titled the review, Colleen. And I was like, oh, is it going to be a love letter? Are they going to complain about her? What's the review going to be about? But no, they said, yo, is Colleen secretly Chelsea Handler from Dead Meat? Her voice and the way she talk is exactly like her. Like, I'm really convinced that's her... <laughs> Clearly, uh, I think Chelsea Handler was a uh, typo here because that's a uh, comedian, uh, like t- a TV host. But I Google, I, I wasn't familiar with Dead Meat, so I Googled it and I found out the host of Dead Meat is a woman named Chelsea Rebecca. So I'm finally ready to confront Colleen about this double life you're handling and you're putting forth, pretending to be Colleen when you're secretly a Chelsea. <laughs> If I were to come up with a fake name, I don't think I would choose Colleen, just for the record. Well, what if that's the real name and Chelsea's the fake name? Oh, well, I mean, that that is a possibility. According to Google, Chelsea Rebecca is also associated with Drunk Disney, Drunk Star Wars, and the Power Hour. Do you, do you get <laughs> drunk and talk about Disney shows, Colleen? Uh, I don't need to be drunk to talk about Disney. <laughs> Okay, so well, how do you how do you respond to these allegations? Um, I'm I'm not some semi-famous podcaster. I'm just doing case reopened. So yeah, sorry to disappoint, but I'm not semi-famous. Are you trying to start beef? <laughs> are you trying to start know. beef with like Chelsea Rebecca? What's going on here? Not at all. I don't know how famous they are. I've never heard of Dead Meat either. <sighs> Oh, look at these shots fired by Colleen over here. Do you know that she has 59.5 thousand followers on Instagram? Uh, Yeah, I would call that semi-famous. I mean, I'm sure you do because it's you, but (laughs) semi-famous. Is that a lot? The disrespect here. (laughs) For the record, I think Chelsea is fabulous. Please come on the show, Chelsea. (laughs) Well, you're already on the show. Never mind. No, that would be actually, that's a great idea. Let's get Chelsea on the show and then... We can settle this once and for all. There's going to be me and Chelsea on Tyler, obviously. Are you just going to talk to yourself? Like, that's going to be real <laughs> awkward doing that podcast. Just you talking to yourself half the time. Well, I mean, I... I... But you you did listen to a clip of Chelsea, Rebecca, of Dead Meat, and you, you didn't think that you sounded like her. I didn't, no, but... I mean, who am I to judge my own voice? It has to go through my cranium before I can hear it, so I might not have a good oh, uh, audio of it. But what you will have is a good time talking about Detective Conan, because we've got uh, an interesting anime original featuring Blowfish Milt. <laughs> Your and, new favorite uh, phrase. We're diving into a live-action drama. Yeah, man, blowfish milk. It's all the rage. It was at this restaurant. It's a delicacy. It is. Apparently, you have to have like special licenses or some sort of special training to handle it. 
because it could be uh, deadly. Well, I thought it was because uh, you could get somebody pregnant, you know? Oh. <laughs> yeah, another blowfish. Have little blowfish babies? Yeah. Uh, so, we're covering episode 161 of the Detective Conan anime. This is the Murder Floating in the Water Stream Restaurant. Originally aired September 20th, 1999. So, uh, just to, before we get into this, and the, the Conan scent was blowfish melt, as we mentioned uh, the I remember watching this episode the first time because I thought it was so cool, the idea of, like, a little... The episode revolves around this restaurant that uh, it's kind of similar to, like, Conveyor Belt Sushi in a way, where there's a moving uh, aspect of where, how food is transported to you. It's not directly served. Uh, but for this, it's this waterway, mm-hmm. and then there's little boats that ride around. And so I was like, man, is this a real thing? And so I Googled it. I couldn't find something exactly like this, but I, I did find something kind of like this. It was a sushi restaurant in Japan that had, uh, like, little boats that it wasn't as nearly as fancy. And it was, like, a real small, like, just a, uh, it was more like a conveyor belt, more like where it was just the sushi would float around. Oh, but, but still, that's it was fun. very neat yeah. just seeing it. So uh, it's still, like, on water. water. Oh, that's But fantastic. I don't think, I couldn't find something exactly like this. Yeah. I did try to search. See, I'm I'm with you there. Like I remember this case specifically for the restaurant. I couldn't recall from the very beginning who had done it, but as you know, things progress I, I remembered. But yeah, for sure. It was the boats, the boat restaurant <laughs> that really uh, really uh, stayed in my memory. Maybe it's just like an impractical way to serve food, but I will I really wish somebody would take inspiration from this episode and just make this restaurant. Yeah. Because it seems so cool. Conan introduces the episode. He says, Today we're at a one-of-a-kind restaurant. A crime flows along the waterway. The anime original kicks off with Kogura, Ron, and Conan waiting for their dinner reservation at the Ryu Stream restaurant. Kogura complains that they're 30 minutes early, but Ron says they had to come early as it's such a popular spot that it could have been cancelled if they were late. Have you ever uh, had any... Like, have you ever had to wait for a table for hours or anything crazy at a fancy joint? No, I don't. I don't go to fancy joints. In fact, when Ron was saying this, oh. I was like, well. that's the first time I've heard of, you know, you having a reservation, but you have to get there, what, half an hour in advance or else they would cancel on you. I was just like, that's... Well, that's it was more It was more that they couldn't be late. And Kogoro, you know, isn't a guy to run... Perfectly, so I'm I'm assuming she just made her father go extra early, just so they didn't... You know, with Kogoro, after all, half the time he goes places, they run into a murder. So she was just trying to get early so they could solve the murder, <laughs> and then still have time for No, that's food. a really good point. So, you know, later Megure makes a joke again about Kogoro being there, but it's really Ron that brought them there in the first place. Conan decides to look around, and he spots a boat going down the stream. It turns out that the motorized boats deliver the food to the customers. The cashier, Kyoko Anzai, asks Conan if he likes it, and says that they have even larger boats. It turns out that the guests take the food off the boats, then press a button in the room, and the boat returns to the back. We then see three physics professors uh, walk in. They are Ryuchi Arai, Kaizi Kaneda, and an older man named Nobuo Awama. Uh, there's some confusion as room 8 is reserved for a Kanata, but he says it's not him. Kanata then acts like he doesn't want to be there, and Rai tells him to be thankful 
as Awama set this whole dinner up in honor of Kanata becoming an assistant professor. Kanata then snaps at Arai and says that just because they're the same age, it doesn't mean that Arai can address him informally. He then demands to be called assistant professor Kanata and calls Arai his assistant. So, uh, Colleen, I wanted to also <laughs> tell you that you can't address me so informally. You must call me case reopened host Tyler Trees from now on. Okay, and there's no shortened version of that? How about Tyler? Case reopened host Tyler Trees. That is the shortened okay. version. Do you want me to tell you the the full version? Um, yeah, go for it. If there's a please full... don't because I don't have a joke. <laughs> I don't. Case reopened host I Tyler Trees. Sama, how was that? There we go. I had a Sama. Show me some respect. Moving right. What do you think of this guy? He seemed like an asshole. <laughs> like, um, like I was like, wow, this guy's gonna die. He's a dick. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Uh, like, kind of, um, kind of the same deal that we dealt with in the last episode. The jerk of the, uh, whatever he was, a company president. So it was pretty obvious that he was the one that was going to get offed. I don't know. I just... You know how there like, are television shows that are like Monster of the Week? I guess uh, Detective Conan has the dick of the yeah. week. <laughs> that, that should be a new uh, thing going forward. Forget about the Conan's hints. We just want to know who the dick of the week is the next time around. The dick of the week. And we're not talking about blowfish milt. Whoa, okay. The fish dick of the week. <laughs> Oops, <laughs> sorry. Was it that one in direction that I didn't mean for it to go? Colleen wants to know the fish dick of the week. Ew. Kanata then pushes Array out of the way, and he asks the cashier, who he calls Babe, uh, what the most expensive item is. And she says, well, it's blowfish cum. And he's like, great. <laughs> Give, give me three. Bring three. I'm sorry. If, you're, if <laughs> your subs actually said that, that would be hilarious. Nah, they said Milt. Oama agrees, and he says, you know what? Three more orders. <laughs> I wonder how expensive this stuff is. Blowfish milk price. <laughs> Let's find out here. Oh, that's fish sperm and egg. I'm not sure if this is <laughs> the story. I don't, this is just from an article. It doesn't say the price, but it says, when sperm of the sea is consumed in Japan, it's usually from... The Torafugu, a poisonous member of the blowfish family. Oh, okay. Alright, so it's poisonous. That's why you need the... Uh... Okay, so this is cod milt, so I don't know. It's probably less expensive than the blowfish milt, but cod milt will cost you about 15 US dollars. Blowfish seems much fancier. Mm -hmm. So I'm saying at least 50 bucks. Right. Oh, here we go. Today, um, uh, Fugu is largely farmed with prices of around U.S. $50 per kilogram agreed on. It's a good bit of money. Right, for something that's so. served in like a small dish like that. Right, what's this? $400? Let me find out. What's this? I need the milk. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I found this New York Magazine uh, description of some fucking fish thing and this is the most disgusting paragraph i ever read okay i'm just gonna read it here i popped the grilled fish sack morsel into my mouth but it's too hot to swallow so i bite into it and the hot milk bursts out in the most unnerving even horrible way it tastes like warm curds of milk but without any of the pleasing milky oh, flavor sure you didn't land on some smutty site it's new york <laughs> magazine it's the most smutty of sites 
So we have Adam Platt to uh, blame for this. This this was the article to die for. It was published April 25th, 2008. He's on Twitter at Pants. So uh, I don't know. Give him a follow, I guess, for that disgusting burger. Yeah. Tell him you heard about him on Case Reopened. Right. I don't want to talk about. <laughs> I don't want to talk about fish come no more. So, after ordering six orders of blowfish milt, they leave for their seat, and the cooks in the back wonder why Wama always orders so much food when he never finishes it. So this guy must be uh, quite the regular. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean. So that's pretty much. Ex- Exactly when I knew he was the murderer, because it seems like he was probably coming here, ordering a ton of food, and somehow testing out, like, how he was going to murder somebody. That actually makes it so much more funny (laughs) that he's possibly done the method multiple times and hasn't been caught yet. Oh, I feel like he is. (laughs) I feel like he's been riding around in this little boat. Repeat like this. <laughs> he doesn't eat the food. He orders a ton of food, and then he just rides the bed a little bit, comes back, and he's like, "Well, that was a good ride." <laughs> and then he leaves without eating anything. Oh, gosh. Yeah, but that's definitely what's meant to tip us off. That okay, this is our this is our culprit. Kagero's room is finally ready, and Kuna notices the professors are in the room next to theirs after Kanada exits. Kagero sees a huge ship with a ton of food on it, and he gets all excited. But it just goes right past them to the professors. That's when we overhear Rai and Awama talking about how Kanata still isn't back. But Awama believes he just went to the bathroom, so he'll be back soon. The food arrives for the Mori clan, and Kogoro excitedly drinks his sake. However, their meal is interrupted at 7.50pm when Awama says that he lost his contact lens, but he quickly finds it. It's such a distracting like commotion that he makes that they actually look out the window, and they see him close his window as well. Kagura finishes eating at 8 p.m. and he says it would be perfect if they had a geisha. And uh, he then immediately has to apologize for saying that. It's like Ron gives him some real <laughs> side eye. He's like, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. They then notice another boat go by and Kagura asks Ron to order more sake, but she refuses. And Kagura says, Everything from her personality to the way she talks is just like eerie. I mean, come on, Kogoro. Did you really have to have to say that? I wonder if uh, Eri is good at holding a flashlight. Oh, she's like the best at it. She could probably win a court case while holding a flashlight. That's how great she is. We then hear Kyoko scream, so Kona and Kogoro run outside. They see Awama putting on his jacket as he exits the room, and the cashier says that one of the guests is dead. They then find Kanata lying on the table with a knife stabbed through his heart. Kagura checks for the pulse. Like, yeah, I'm sure he's really alive after that one, dude. Non-surprisingly, it's too late. Call the police, it's suicide! <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised we didn't get there. It's like, you'd think when once they rule out that nobody could come in from the waterworks and nobody entered, he should have been like, well, obviously, it's a suicide. That's the whole logical answer. He stabbed himself answer. in the chest. Rai then uh, arrives and he's confused and that's when he learns of his colleague's death. Kanan takes a look at the body and says that from the angle it means that Kanata was facing the murderer and then he was stabbed in the chest from the front. Kanan doubts the murderer came in from the waterway as there'd be water all over the room. Then notices a black substance on the victim's thumb and he's about to recognize the scent when Kogoro punches him and tells him to stop interfering. Way to go, Dad. Yep, there is our child abuse for the week. Child abuse of the Bonk week. On the head. Although, 
like <laughs> so we know how like conan can pick up all sorts of scents i don't know if he'd be able to recognize this one i hope he wouldn't this is fish con <laughs> what's the scent i know this one i've definitely tasted this before <laughs> many times ah my favorite dish blowfish melt so, uh, Inspector Megri and Takagi arrive, and they reveal that the estimated time of death was 7.50. The cashier says Kanata entered the room without ordering anything, so she went back to check on him, and that's when she found the body. Kogoro wonders why he was in room 8, as he said that wasn't his room earlier. When she asked him that same question, he just said that he had an appointment there. She didn't see anybody else enter the room, and she was facing that direction the entire time. Kogoro suggests the killer use the waterway. Takagi is then sent to ask every single room if they saw a person passing by in the waterway, but doesn't have any luck. Kagura wonders if he swam underwater, but it's only 50 centimeters deep, so that isn't really possible. Kenan then brings up the room not being wet, which causes Kagura to go, Did you say anything? <laughs> and Kenan gets scared because he doesn't want to get hit again. He says, No, I'm just talking to myself. Yeah, Conan will figure this out all by himself like he always does. He just does his own little investigation. Megri moves on to the alibi confirmations and Wama says he was in room 3 the entire time. Kagura brings up him screaming about his contact and says he saw him close the window in room 3. Meanwhile, Rai came back after the crime was committed. He says that Awama asked him to get some cigarettes and he shows off the pack he got from the nearby convenience store. Kyoko confirms this, saying she told him where the convenience store was, and he shows Megri the receipt, which is dated 7.52. Due to this, Kogura believes the murderer is one of the other guests, but Conan disagrees, as only those two had the opportunity. So, who do you think was the murderer here? Oh, it was, uh, what's his name? Iwama. Definitely. See, I thought for a second that, um, Arai might have falsified the receipt somehow, played some sort of time manipulation trick, but um, I think almost immediately afterwards when they started talking about the boats and sort of like the size of somebody who might be able to fit in one of them, I was like for sure confirmed, sealed that it was Iwama that did it. Conan asks to see the boats, so the cashier takes them to the back. The door is always locked and only Kyoko has the keys. There are five boats of various sizes, and the largest one has a black substance on it similar to what was on Kanata's finger. That's strange, as Kanata wasn't in the room when the food would have arrived. Kyoko then reveals that the reservation said to bring the food on the big boat at 7.30 and the whiskey at 8. Kanata looks inside the boat to see a small motor, a sensor, and some extra space as well. Okay, so I had I had a bit of an issue with this part. Like, wouldn't the kitchen staff not wouldn't they be suspicious if a customer specifically requested that food be delivered on the big boat when you know there isn't enough food for the big boat? But like the so like the whiskey. Well, they ordered enough food. They they got six orders of a uh, fish. Comb. Yeah, but the whiskey. <laughs> Come on. The whiskey was like on a little platter in the middle of the huge this huge boat. <laughs> yeah, I mean that is weird. But I guess when somebody's spending all that money and buying the most expensive stuff and all this other shit. Uh, you're willing to make an exception and please them. Like, I kind of get it. They're trying to show off. They're like, look at this big boat. <laughs> so, like, I get it from a, why, why a customer would want to do that to show off to their, uh, you know, business meeting colleagues and such. Okay. Okay. I was, I'm just saying that if they, 
you know, paid a little bit more attention, they might have prevented a murder. That's rude. <laughs> Don't be a, a victim blamer. They're all accessories to the murder. Cashier and this kitchen staff. Kind of then runs out and sneaks to the room that the professors were in. Only one pair of chopsticks doesn't have its wrapper. And kind of then notices the same black substance in a dish. Having figured out the trick, Kenny then finds a small hole in a wet stain by the window. And Kenny says, with this, that person's alibi is broke and I have irrefutable evidence. I love how Conan, even in his own thoughts, has to be cryptic and not use a person's name. <laughs> that person. I don't know about you, that gets me uh, really excited, though. I'm just like, yes. <laughs> this is why I watch this show. Conan tells Kogoro he found something weird, and then he mumbles, and Kogoro kind of leans in to hear Conan more clearly, and that's when he knocks him out with his watch, the little dickhead. He had, like, the cutest little grin and his fogged-up glasses. So mischievous. The professor's asked to leave, and Meguri is about to give the okay, but Kogoro says he's figured out how the murderer got into room 8. They actually did use the waterway, as the largest boat has enough space inside that you can hide someone with a small body. Keyword, small. And I, what's so funny here is that, like, they should make the murderer super obvious, but they don't, like, all immediately look at the guy. And it was kind of the same way with uh, the live action thing, where it's very clear where the deduction's going, and everybody still acts, like, <laughs> surprised by the end of it. Yeah, like, we what? have to go through the entire deduction before we can uh, put the blame on anybody. First, the murderer requested that the food was brought out in the big boat. He removed the food and then took off the wooden boards to hide inside. The boat was going to the back, but he used his foot to turn off the switch. He then arrived at room 8, and he killed Kanata and turned the body towards the corridor. Megari asks how the murderer got back to his room. Kogoro says that he flipped the switch for the sensor after getting back inside the boat and waited until 8 o'clock when the whiskey was delivered. However, the murderer made a mistake since the water line was high, which is proof that the murderer was riding in the boat. Megari figures it out, and Kegra says the murderer is nobody else, uh, none other than Awama. Kegra suspects that he told Kanata that he wanted to talk privately and made him reserve roommate. He then had a rye leave to buy cigarettes. Awama says Kegra saw him close the doors and speak at 7.50, so he couldn't have done it. Kogoro asks if Awami has a tape recorder on him, and he's like, yeah, I do, but so what? It's for meetings. Come on, who doesn't have a tape recorder with them at a restaurant? Come it's on. It's a perfectly normal thing. And I, like, well, this was a guess, right? Because Conan wouldn't have known. Like, I don't know. I don't think they mentioned this as part of the investigation at all. So this tape recorder thing yeah, is just like, oh, where did that come from? Kegura then explains that he could have used a rubber band, a pin, the wrapper of disposable chopsticks, and some ice to close the window, you know, as one does. <laughs> I wonder if he was also uh, practicing this every time that he came to this restaurant. Probably. There's probably all these little holes on uh, all the, all the uh, sliding uh, shade doors. Yeah, and little, like, puddles of water. First, Awami held the window in its opening in place with a pin and rubber band. Then wrapped the chopsticks wrapper on the other side and used the pin to hold it in place. After that, he opened the window with pins and the rubber band and moved the rubber band to where the wrapper was using a pin to hold it in place with the wrapper. Finally, he took a piece of the ice from the food and put it inside the wrapper. Once it melted, the wrapper would get wet and weak. 
which would cause it to rip and close the window. So I hope you all got that because it was completely confusing watching it with the explanation. <laughs> so I, I imagine it goes over perfect audio only. Did you follow this trick? Because I was like, just keep talking. I'll, I'll buy whatever you the say. The trick with the door specifically? Um, yeah. Yeah. It, it was fine. Like once I, I mean, I got the concept of. Did you feel confident that you could reproduce this? No, not after watching it okay, just that's once. I would have to like follow along step by step what Conan was explaining. After Awama returned, he simply cleaned up the pins and the rubber band. Awami asked for evidence, and Kekaro then asked Awami if he spilled the sauce for the milk when he took the food off the boat. Rai confirms that and says it was on the boat's wooden panels. Kekaro brings up Awami putting his jacket back on and asks if a person is leaving a room in a hurry if they would stop to put on a jacket. Turns out he was doing it because the milk sauce got in his shirt while in the boat. Megari asks him to take off the jacket, and lo and behold, the stain is there. However, Awami just says he did knock over the milk while looking for his contact, but it doesn't mean he's the murderer. And that's when Kegura says, Got your ass, oh, yes boy. Yes, he does. He says, The blowfish cum was also on the thumb of Kanata. He left room 30 before the food arrived, so that proves that Awami is the murderer, as Kanata grabbed the stain on his shirt after being stabbed, and his fingerprints should also be found in the blowfish milt. I love how that's what... Imagine that. Imagine your last moment grabbing some oh. fish. <laughs> I'd rather not imagine it. Thanks. I also love that that's what triggers them to even do a fingerprint search. Like they weren't going to do it anyways. I guess they didn't have any reason to. But no, because of this one stain, now we can get fingerprints off of this guy's shirt. Like, I don't know. I think this should be maybe a standard thing. But then again, I'm not an investigator. Awami then falls to the floor and says that Kanata found out long ago that he turned in a student's thesis under his own name. He then blackmailed Awami into recommending him at the professor's selection meeting. He tried to pay Kanata off with 5 million yen, but eventually got fed up with the entire situation. Awami says the milk wasn't part of the original reservation, and that if it wasn't for that darned blowfish come, his plan would have been perfect. The classic Scooby-Doo yep. speech. What'd you, th what'd you think about this guy and how he was foiled by blowfish milt of all things? Yeah, I don't know if he'll be able to live that down. He's going to go to prison and he'll be known as the blowfish milt guy. I can't think of a worse, a worse thing to become. He's just so lame. Just this tiny little professor and then <laughs> everything about this is just funny. I like the mystery though. I think uh, him actually hiding in the boat's kind of clever. Like, that isn't something I'd think of. First off, I wouldn't think there was enough room to, uh, you know, fit there. First off. So that was kind of clever. <laughs> it's really funny that... Because the first time I watched this, I had no clue what Blowfish Milt was. But once you do the Google search and you find out what Milt is, it really changes the whole case, doesn't it? Yeah, well, I, I must have watched this thinking it was some sort of substance similar to ink. So I didn't really pay attention to it. But yeah, it's definitely, uh, it takes on a different perspective now. After the ending song, Ron congratulates her father and says he's even more famous now. She asks him to take her somewhere nice again. And Kegaru says, it would be nice if it were somewhere with a geisha. And <laughs> that just pisses off Ron, who punches his desk and puts a huge dent in it. And she says, how about I become a geisha for you then? Her! 
Uh, what's the implication here does she have daddy issues i don't know i i didn't (laughs) get it (laughs) and uh a scared kagura just says no that's okay no thank you and canon remarks how scary ron is as the episode ends wow (laughs) well that's all you can say (laughs) no no i actually like the case um i thought the murder method was interesting uh also pretty predictable given that it used something that was a specialty of this restaurant. So you know right off the bat that the boats are going to be used in some way. But I still enjoyed the case. Um, there was a bit of time manipulation uh, going on, which I'm always a fan of. Uh, and there were little things that the culprit thought to do that was really clever, like even down to turning the body away from the window towards the corridor so it wasn't super obvious like that the person came from the window. Um so yeah, I thought it was smart of him to handle those little details. It's just too bad that that stupid blowfish melt ruined everything for him. Yeah, I, I liked the case as well. I thought it was pretty fun. Um, as it like a one-part anime original, like this is all I want. I want an interesting case. Give me a cool locale. Have some moments where I can laugh. Uh, have some blowfish melt. And uh, I walk away happy. Like this is just a textbook example as a perfectly good anime original like it might not be an all-timer but it's not nothing you can really complain about it's just a really solid overall episode Mm -hmm. so i was a fan of that uh the next conan's hint for next time is tablets and that is for the episode the one hour special the locked room in the sky shinichi kudo's first case are you excited to learn about shinichi kudo's first case oh boy am i i remember watching this for the first time and yeah i i had quite a fun time watching this so we'll see if i can relive that and like just to i guess clarify the hint is tablets in the sense of like pills right it's not (laughs) because tablets can mean different things nowadays yeah yeah it probably was not ipads (laughs) safe to say just want to point that out uh also uh i don't believe this is actually shinichi kudo's first case because they have like a manga flashback thing where he solves a mystery with when he's like grade school students with Ron. Oh, okay. Uh, later, so but, so let's call this like maybe, Shinichi Kudo high school detectives first case. That works. That works. Uh, so in between episodes here, I do want to give a, a special thanks to our patrons, medium sized Jeffrey, not too big. Not too small, just right, Colin. Just right. <laughs> just right. Just right. Uh, Ryan Self, who's coming on the podcast in a couple of months, so I'm excited to talk to Ryan. Big Chief Mason, Spencer Young, and William Lee, who uh, a long time ago, late last year, <laughs> was on the podcast. And so was Spencer. Sp- yeah, so was Spencer. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, Hopefully, all these, like, you know, I called them out a few episodes ago. You guys still owe me, uh, when you're coming on. Message me. <laughs> Dinguses. I'll call. Hopefully they'll listen to this. Join the Patreon, pay us the most money, and I will insult you live on the podcast. If that's not a good deal, then I don't know what is. The perks of being a Phantom Thief tier level yeah. Patreon. Shout out. No, but seriously, thank you guys all. Uh, the support means so much, and we're so appreciative. Yes, and I'm sure so is Chelsea Rebecca, if she cared. Are you saying she doesn't? I don't know. 
You're throwing so many daggers. Uh, you're gonna start some beef. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. I'm. <laughs> I'm just gonna be quiet. So let's kick it off, Colleen. We're going to talk about the Detective Conan live-action drama. The series is called Challenge Letter to Shinichi Kudo. Do you have any relationship at all with this? Have you heard of it? Have you ever seen any of it? There's also some live-action movies that we will cover down the line, but I wanted to get to through the uh, TV show first. Uh, did you even know this existed? Uh, where are you coming into the series from? Uh, so I knew it existed. Uh, never watched it. I uh, had to familiarize myself with the um, order of uh, like everything that's been made um, because when I first you know looked into this I saw that oh there was actually something produced prior to this but they were more like I guess TV movies so we're probably going to cover that later on sometime in the future as you mentioned so uh, I had to kind of do my research to realize okay this is like the TV series that was uh, that came after those TV movies using the cast from the third TV movie or TV special, whatever the uh, the actual terminology is. So, um, yeah, that's that pretty much shows you how, like, zero knowledge I had of this. I was also under the impression that they did another live-action adaptation with uh, a- an actual little boy Conan. So I'm not sure what happened to that one, but, um, yeah, I uh, didn't know any of the cast um i mean i did recognize the girl uh from deadpool 2 she's yukio but the other people i looked up sort of what they've been in and i know of the the other works but i've never watched them so yeah i was going in pretty blind <laughs> sorry i giggled the little kid he's cracking me up i think he, he must appear in one of the movies <laughs> He looks so funny, little, little live-action cut. Big, big glasses. What a guy. Yeah. Right. Oh, wow. I just, okay. There's a lot going on. All right. Uh, we'll, we'll cover that stuff <laughs> at some point. But first, you know, we have this. Uh, I, I'm pretty much the same. I, don't, I did not know much about the Detective series. But uh, we're going to cover this. Uh and I also haven't really watched much Japanese drama at all, like live action stuff, not even like common Rider and stuff like that. Do you watch any like Japanese drama or Korean drama stuff like that? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I I watch all that. You sort of nerd. Stuff. <laughs> I, so you're familiar watching this stuff. What, what do you like about it? What do you get out of this that you don't get out of, uh, you know, like an American teen drama series like the OC? Uh, you know, a fine television product. Why do you have to is go? Is this where we plug in the brosy? Look for an import. I wasn't going. To, uh, <laughs> I, mean, I kind of was. I, I check out the brosy, but uh, yeah. Why? Why do you watch this? This seems so unnecessary and extra. I mean, is there is is this like? Do they make stuff that's just unlike what's on, uh, like a uh, America? Like, what, what what are you getting out of this? Uh, Tell me more, Colin. Okay. Well, to give you the full answer, I always had an aversion to live-action adaptations of anime or manga. For some reason, I just didn't like them. I thought they were a little too kooky based, uh, like, compared to the anime, which lends itself better. 
What's that? Have you seen live action for, uh, Professor Orgasm? No. <laughs> He's killing me. Man. Look at him. <laughs> He's amazing. Oh my gosh. Is that real? That can't be real. <laughs> yeah, that's real. Uh, why did we not see him? Okay, so, um, right. yeah, I, so it took me a while to get into dramas, and I did it through, I guess, Taiwanese dramas and Korean and Japanese. What I get out of it that I don't from American television is, at least the ones I watch, because um, I've watched the TV series more so than movies, which are a little different, but we're not going to go into that. The TV series that they put out, the dramas in particular, um, I just find them... A little bit more wholesome. Uh, the plot lines are a little bit more intriguing for me, um, and I don't know. They they just have a nice uh, aesthetic. There's a high production value as well. I don't know. There's just stuff that um, I like more in dramas than American television. So that's why I gravitate towards it. All right. So just a quick timeline of the live action adaptations. The first one was. A movie called A Challenge Letter to Shinichi Kudo, Prologue Until Goodbye. That aired October 2nd, 2006. They then made a second film called Shinichi Kudo Returns, Confrontation with the Black Organization, which aired December 17th, 2007. I believe that used uh, the same cast as the first one. And then uh, they put out A Challenge Letter to Shinichi Kudo, the Mystery of the Legendary Bird in April 15th, 2011, which I think was its own cast uh, in Special Things. And then after that, they once again... Re- Is it the same dude? I can't tell. It's this very... <laughs> I wish they had the... Uh... So they changed Shinichi's huh. one. They changed the main cast as of the third one, right? Okay, so the third one... Yes, that's the Shinichi from that we see in this series. It also looks like an adaptation of a anime original, I believe. I'll have to look that up once we get into it. So, that's when they got to the current incarnation, the third special. And that TV, the TV series we're watching, uh, when did that air? July 7, 2011. So this aired after that third special. And then... I guess after that finished airing, they did one more live-action special, which is Shinichi Kudo in the Kyoto Shinzengumi murder case, which aired April 12th, 2012. So, if you, I guess if you want to go super chronologically with this crew, you would want to watch uh, The Mystery of the Legendary Bird before this. But uh, I feel like it's a, kind of a standalone thing, so it works. Plus, but it's long. That, there's the full rundown. Yeah, that's a movie. And we're not covering uh, the live-action movie just yet. We'll get to it sometime. Uh, but yeah, so this is a 13-part series we're going to start off. And uh, it's going to be a bit infrequent, but uh, every couple weeks we'll probably come back to this uh, for now. It depends when, just it's just the way with the sh- how the show is. Because we don't want to uh, like jump around the anime. We don't want to do like episode 90. We don't want to do like episode... 165 and then 169 you know we don't just the way it is it's very inconveniently for how we do two episodes 
uh, each time for us to go in order. We kind of have these stop gaps to fill. And we've been doing it with discussion stuff, but we're going to use the uh, drama from now on just to fill space and give you some new content rather than us just babbling. Although I guess I'm kind of just babbling now. <laughs> Anyhow, challenge letter to Shinichi Kudo, file one, the high school detective before becoming Conan, uncovering the murder affair mystery. That's quite the title. Yeah. Um, it, might, it must have been longer in Japanese. So let's find out how wholesome this is. It originally <laughs> aired July 7th, 2011. We see the live-action Shinichi Kudo awake in a mysterious dark room. He finds himself handcuffed to Ron, and he wakes her up. That's when they spot Kogoro in the corner, who asks where they are. The lights suddenly turn on, and they're enclosed in an all-white room. Shinichi has no clue what this is all about, and their cell phone have has no reception. Uh, so, Colleen, what's your first thought of this? What do you think of the cast here? Are you a fan of Shinichi, who's played by Junpei Mizubata? Did he live up to the character? My first thought when I saw this opening scene was, what the hoot was going on? Um, this did not immediately grab me as Detective Conan content whatsoever. I felt like we were in some sort of like sci-fi, I don't know, outer space type of situation, maybe a little Doctor Who in there. So I didn't know quite how to take it from right off the bat. Um, the cast of characters, um, I mean, Shinichi, I think, was fine. Uh, like, obviously, he hasn't acted yet, but throughout the episode, I didn't find him particularly charismatic. Um but anyways, I'll, I can talk wow, more about shots, him. <laughs> shots fired throughout this episode. Oh, I, First I you were coming for Chelsea. Now you're coming for Junpei. I'm just trying to, you know, give a critique. I'm sorry. I don't mean to hurt anyone's feelings. Um, so, I mean, right off the bat, I wasn't, like, thinking anything. Like, Shanit, like, they didn't, obviously they didn't try and mimic the look from the anime at least with shinichi they maybe did so more so with um kogoro giving him a little mustache yeah so here's a fun fact the actor that plays kogoro is actually like the one constant he was so good in those first two tv films that they brought him back for the tv series so kogoro is always played by takanori janai so i thought that was really cool oh that's fantastic that that actually makes me really happy to hear because uh, I think he's going to be a He's fun a great character. Kagura, too. I gotta say, I, I think he nails it. Yeah. I think he's real good as Kagura. Like, I I was missing the Kogoro voice um, a little bit, but uh, that's just a given. I mean, the for the amount of Detective Conan we've watched, you kind of get those voices ingrained into your brain, so it's really hard to then separate the character from the voice, but um, I'm going to try with this live-action stuff. Um, so yeah, I didn't really have, like, uh, so my first impression of Ron, I'll talk about how I felt about her character later on, but my first impression of Ron was that she, uh, felt very, uh, much like a young high school girl. Like, Ron is sort of depicted as more of like a, uh, she feels a little older in the anime for some reason, whereas in this, like, um, she just kind of like fell into the category of like kind of like a typical high schooler. 
I like the cast. I think they're fun. Uh, I, don't, <laughs> I don't have anything else to really say. I thought Ron was cute. I thought Kegaro nails it. And uh, I thought Shinichi was perfectly charismatic. I'm not a hater <laughs> like some people. So uh, Shinichi finds a letter taped to the wall that says, Beloved Shinichi, I'm your fan. I've been following your achievements. You're a wonderful detective. This white room is a present for you. Please enjoy yourself. So from this, I, I I instantly figured out who did it. Only kidnapper that would do such a thing is Colin. Wow, I am not surprised that you're accusing me of this on the air. <laughs> I I saw this coming too. <laughs> yeah, you laughed before I even made the joke. Like, I, was... I know what he's about to say because I felt it too. I was like, oh my god, is this how I sound every time Shinichi's brought up? <laughs> Pretty much, you're like, ah. Uh-huh. My beloved Shinichi, so clever, so smart. I'm his biggest <laughs> fan. I wish I could give him a present, a big white room. You say this every week and I've been so confused. I'm like, what does this white room have to do with anything about Conan? And now I know. Now you know. You're going to find out in these, how, however many episodes there are of this, 13? We're going to find out about this white room. Yep. Shinichi throws the letter down in disgust and says that someone is holding Oh no, he didn't like my letter. <laughs> Ron asks he would do such a thing. A platform then rises from the ground with a computer screen on it with the date of June 24th, 2010 on it. And Shinichi's like, oh, I solved a murder case that day. Okay. Okay. First off, think of how many murders he must solve. So, like, how does this particular day, like, possibly stand out for him? Like, it seems so ridiculous that he's just like, oh, I know that day. Oh, that's okay, a good that murder didn't case. surprise me though. I've like we've seen Shin, or we will see Shinichi do this in the anime where they just give him like a date or they'll mention something and he's like, "Oh yes, there's that case that I did." But what Ron says next is what surprised me because she was super specific about what case it actually was. Oh yeah, that was that famous photographer who took his wife's sister who was also a model <laughs> as his lover. And Shinichi was like, yeah, that was it. (laughs) So this looks to be the framing device for the entire series, where apparently they will go around from white room to white room, and then just enter flashbacks where he uh, (laughs) figures out a case, and then uh, I'm I'm assuming on the very last episode we'll figure out, you know, who did the white room stuff. Uh, What what do you think about Uh, this framing device? It was unexpected. I didn't know we were going to be dealing with a story within a story type of situation um i don't mind it sort of in principle i just hope that it works throughout the entire series and uh hopefully it won't uh, be problematic for us considering we're not going to be watching the episodes uh quite back to back but we'll see yeah one, one other interesting thing is uh i'm very curious as to like, if they're going to connect any, how these cases are actually involved. Like, is this, the person says they're a big fan, so are they just obsessing over the cases, or are we going to actually meet, like, the person in one of these cases that kidnapped them, like, later, uh, that is revealed later on, or anything like that. So I'm curious to, you know, theorize as we go along here. Uh, so we're in full flashback mode here, so this is, from now to, like, the end of this, it's going to be... Uh, this case on June 24th, 2010. So we see this couple passionately kissing until the woman 
Momoka Ida backs away. I just can't betray my older sister anymore, she says uh, to the man Yuhei Sabuchi. She wants to end their affair and says he can take his camera back. She then goes into the kitchen. <laughs> I like, okay, this is the funniest breakup ever. She like breaks up with him and then she goes to like <laughs> prepare dinner or something. Like, he, 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 she doesn't even let him like respond or anything. Yeah. It's very cool. Yeah, I I think like at this point it did read that way. I guess when you're looking at it from after having watched the entire episode, maybe you can theorize that she was doing it sort of on purpose to create some distance. But yeah, it it was a little like. I mean, she was just making out with him. Maybe don't do that right before like breaking. Hey, they up. had to get through this really quickly. What's they the only thought had process? Half an hour for all this. Uh, he goes up to her and he says. uh don't tell me you've got another man. And she denies that. And he just freaks out. He he grabs two plastic bags that he puts around his hands. And then he just starts choking her. Grabs her by the neck. The, just the visual of this guy grabbing the plastic bags. And then being like, this is the murder weapon. Like, completely killed <laughs> me. I, I shouldn't find it funny. But just seeing the guy grab, like, these two... <laughs> like dollar store plastic bags and then commit he's like this is how this is the perfect plan for murder and <laughs> it's like, like i get this was a crime of passion clearly and it wasn't like uh uh planned or anything but it's just quite the ridiculous yeah. visual although i guess it's kind of smart of him to be like you know like he thinks one step ahead at least to know that oh my fingerprints <laughs> so he's like oh plastic bags yeah it's pretty Thank amazing you. that in that moment he was able to realize that he could or he should do that and i don't know if i've ever seen i don't know maybe the anime is gonna adopt this at some point but i don't know if i've ever seen uh, a murderer do this yeah he winds up choking her on the floor and we see her grab onto the curtains Spucci then creates a mess to make it look like a home invasion when he gets a phone call the man is Sabuchi's assistant, Kosuke Kishi, and he says he's on the way to the model's house as they have a photo shoot session with her at 4 p.m. He hangs up and he takes his camera back and then exits the house. As he leaves, this is the mysterious part, we see her fingers barely moving, so she's not quite mm. dead, Colleen. I thought this was going to play a bigger role than it did, but... Yeah, so did but, I. Uh, I mean, I like how it comes back in the episode, so I'll give it that. Five minutes later, Kishi arrives and Sabuchi greets him. They ring the doorbell to no answer and are surprised when the door is open or when the door is unlocked. Kishi opens the door but is seemingly knocked out by someone and the whole scene is shown as a blurred flash. What do you think about this mysterious flash that knocked um, him out? Well, when it's when we actually later see them, you know, lying on the ground, having apparently been hit or whatnot in the head, um... I I wasn't buying that there was, well, obviously we know that it's not a home invasion, so I, I didn't buy like, oh, that there was just some random person who all of a sudden, you know, got in the apartment or came down the stairs and hit them. Like, there was some trick involved. I wasn't fully sure of what it was, but it was definitely manipulated. Meanwhile, we see that Ron has gotten her nails done while Shinichi waits there, uh, so uh. what the... 
Quite the uh, dramatic shift here from, like, a murder to Ron getting her nails done. Yeah. This is probably what uh, turned me off to Ron a little bit. Why? You don't like you don't like a girl living her best life, having a little pedicure, getting her nails painted? What's your problem here? <laughs> Why are you such a hater? You're you're throwing out that word very often today. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean I just call it like I see them and usually, you know, you're more passive aggressive than you are just spitting a vitriol, but you know. Today, you're just, I feel like some stress of the new year is getting to you, Colleen. You're taking it out on these fictional characters and Chelsea. My God. I just. Chelsea Rebecca. She has two first names and you're showing respect to none of them. I just thought that this was not something Ron would do. This felt like a Sonico scene to me. You don't think Ron likes getting her nails done? That's a Sonico thing, living her best life, feeling a little bit girl. I mean, I know she's a bit tomboyish and stuff, but not to the extent where, like, she doesn't care about fashion. She just got that imported bag, girl. Remember that? Remember that episode? The old creepy man on the bus? She had that She had that bag she imported. She likes going clothes shopping. This doesn't seem that out of I, I didn't find it as much of an issue that Sammy yeah, knew you are. Yeah, I... <laughs> Because she, she has plenty of girly moments. I just... Knows? So what's your so... problem? Are you jealous? Do you wish Shinichi would wait for you Not if it annoyed salon? him. Well, she had shopping to do. She needed somebody to carry the groceries that she had to bring back. I don't know why she wouldn't just ask him to get the groceries. Like, wow. Well, because well, she wants to getting, spend time with him. Getting her nails done. Okay. Anyways, I, I just see. thought that... Um, yes, Ron likes... I'm sure she would have liked to have a manicure. It's just the way that she was reacting to it in front of Shinichi. Like, I feel like Ron's a little bit more muted when it comes to that stuff. Uh, Muted in the sense of, like, you know, she does, like, she bought her purse and she was like, oh. It feels, I will say, it feels great to have a manicure done. I haven't done it because I'm a man. I mean, that's why they're called uh, manicures. friend of the show and bro c host john anderson who's on our discord and has never posted once because he's a king <laughs> um he gets manicures so uh I'm, I'm sure when he gets his nails done he shows them off the same exact way yeah well that's are do are you no. hating him now i'm what saying that doing, everyone's personality is different and i just don't think that okay. Ron- <laughs> voice you well okay colleen really is uh now you're talking down to me jeez okay oh well what a podcaster <laughs> all right uh <laughs> so yeah um after she's done she throws her bags at shinichi and he's like i'm a bag carrier and then we get what is surely our Colleen Fashion Corner moment of the week. Although I guess we're double dipping here because I feel like your Nell's power hour there uh, was part one. But Ron is looking at herself in the mirror and Shinichi wants her to get a move on. But she says, when seeing your reflection in the mirror, what's important is how the whole balance looks. Do you agree, Colleen? Do you look at yourself in the mirror and you do you judge your balance? Do you look at your hair and you're like, <sighs> 
I need to move this one hair to the other side to create the proper yep, balance. That, that's exactly what I do. Um, I just said, <laughs> now that we're talking about it, I realize how, um, how this actually plays into the plot. Because I didn't, I was so done with this scene. I was like, let's just get out of this salon. Let's move forward with the case. But, uh, it's actually interesting that, you know, just reading it now, I realize, okay, this actually is connected somehow. You know, uh, to, to, I don't want to lend you credence, but there there definitely is a bit more of a self-absorbed uh, character trait for Ron here, especially during the murder as we will, murder investigation as we will cover, because multiple times she's just kind of like airheaded and does not care that somebody just died and will just, like, get really self-absorbed and start... Like, when... Like, because you're referencing when she sees the mirror later on. Like, to have the lack of awareness to be like, Oh, what a neat <laughs> mirror! <laughs> like, as after somebody just died is really strange. And same with the, like, like the wedding photos where she's like, I want yeah, these wedding I... photos. <laughs> Like, I'm. What, what did she say? She's like, I'm dreaming. So I, for the I get day where you're coming these, from. These wedding photos are gonna be mine or whatever. I'm gonna have wedding photos. So okay, I'm glad that like I wasn't the only one that felt that way. I mean, you're probably being um, nicer about it than I am, but uh, I mean, my my feelings. I'm just not a <laughs> my hater. Feelings towards Ron in this particular episode were mixed um, because I didn't really like how she, like the portrayal of the character uh, she wasn't very ron like if i'm comparing them straight from like the ron in the anime but i can also appreciate that um they made her act like more of a typical high schooler so i, I will give her that <laughs> so her whole balance is upended as they hear scream and that's when shinichi happens upon the situation with the photographers i love that this model just happened to live right next to this nail salon yeah. apparently <laughs> in the same place how convenient so i mean that felt like the only purpose for them being there was just to make them conveniently placed sabuchi feigns disbelief and he asks her to wake up while shaking the body Sato and Takagi then arrive on the scene. Unbelievably, Shinichi calls Kogura for advice due to his abundant experience oh, in love. Um. <laughs> yes. Yes. This rules so much. <laughs> okay. As a scene, like, I'm gonna, sorry to be such a hater. As a scene, I really enjoyed it. Um, but I was bothered by shinichi asking advice from kogoro that is so not in his character but i feel like it's a good person to call because shinichi doesn't have the experience of love he hasn't gone on dates he doesn't know how to be like a sleep because specifically when he asks like when he says an abundant experience in love he means like i need somebody to explain to me how a sleazeball that cheats on his wife thinks that's what he's trying to figure out here so when in that perspective, Kogoro seems like the perfect guy to <laughs> right. ask. Uh, yeah, <laughs> like from experience. Um, no, I I thought it was I thought it was a creative way to get Kogoro into the episode because otherwise he wouldn't be there at all. Um, and it did no, like I thought huh. it was well done 
from that perspective that Shinichi is inexperienced and he wouldn't know, you know, what does a woman's apartment look like when she has a lover? What does she have like an extra toothbrush or whatever? It's just it, it feels weird when you're comparing it to the kid who also knows all this about like cameras and other things that he can read about in books like maybe he could have read about relationships in a book and known all this stuff as well but um yeah so i i didn't like it that shinichi needed help from kogoro but i did like what it was for he either calls kogoro or he reads really quickly (laughs) the bridges of madison county you know i'm sure he could do that Shinichi asks how he should check the room of a woman who is living alone to see whether or not they had a boyfriend. Kogoro says that the gold standard is that if there's an extra toothbrush or the toilet seat is up, Shinichi checks, and lo and behold, the seat is up. Somebody was pissing there, Colleen. You know, she could have also been cleaning the toilet and just left it up. No. Whatever. Kogoro says, after that, look around for hobbies a man would prefer. And that's when Shinichi finds a photo development lab. And we know women hate pictures. Oh, yeah, totally. And, you know, she likes being in them. She doesn't like taking them. So let's get our sexist. <laughs> let's get our gender roles correct here. Shinichi thanks Kogoro, who's attempting to trail a woman himself. And Kogoro goes on an impassioned speech saying... I think such cases are rare and sad when they do happen. If a woman is going out with a man that way, they have plans about seeing each other, right? The man would have to be especially careful. And when it gets serious, it's really the man you see crying in the end. It's really the man! <laughs> um, and then he realizes that Shinichi hung up on him. <laughs> and the woman he was telling just completely disappeared. Kegger has had experience, apparently. Um, so... And that's basically all we see of Kogoro until the very end, right? Yeah. I really wish we had gotten some context as to what he was doing, because he just seemed like he was stalking a woman. Yeah, maybe. We don't know. <laughs> you know, he didn't get much work, um, you know, until Conan comes along. So maybe he is just being a stalker. You never and then know my second him. thought was, okay, was that maybe Aerie? It couldn't have been. I don't, like, but... No, I think he was on a case and following okay. a woman. He was just doing a really bad job job of it. Yeah, clearly he was doing a bad job because he was making a scene talking about infidelity. His specialty. Like, which is probably what he was like, which is probably what he was investigating, which is really Ooh, suspicious. isn't that ironic? Sabuchi calls his wife to inform her of her sister's death. He tells her not to come and says it wouldn't be good for the child inside you either. So we learn that she's pregnant. Oh, What dang. a piece of shit these yeah, people are. Yeah, for sure. Kishi tells Takaki that he was struck by a man inside that ran away. With the shock of being hit, all he could see was pure white. Sato asks what the weapon was, and he's unsure, but he guesses that it was an iron pipe. Sato then introduces Shinichi to the witnesses, and Shibuchi is shocked that the great detective is here. So he's already famous here. So this isn't uh, this is not his first case like our anime will mm-hmm. show us. Yeah. Sabuchi explains that he was Momoka's brother-in-law and that the sisters were close. This is when Ron finds the wedding pictures displayed and says, Oh, you look so wonderful. I long to have photos of these. And uh, Sato just <laughs> kills the mood here and she says, I'm not interested in having any. And Takagi's like, what? <laughs> Alright, so I, I forgot to get into this discussion topic. You love oh, Takagi. Is it, how do you know? <laughs> like, is, is it that obvious? <laughs> 
Tell me about this guy, the live-action Takagi. Did he live up to your hopes and dreams? Why are you laughing? Um, I don't... I feel like this is the best portrayal of Takagi, and you think he's charming, and he's a dimwit, <laughs> and he plays the character perfectly. This is the real Takagi, not the anime or manga. No, no. The real Takagi exists only in the anime. Um, This guy... <laughs> This guy plays the role perfectly. He's perfect. <laughs> okay. Um <laughs> I had a hard time getting behind uh Takagi like at the very beginning. I was just like, who's that supposed to be? And when I realized it was Takagi, <laughs> I I didn't know how to feel. Um but he did eventually have well, technically, technically, the uh, subtitles we had spelled his name wrong. Oh, no. <laughs> and instead, instead of Takagi, it's Tagaki. Okay. So there you go. It's the <laughs> off-brand the Takagi. <laughs> I'm sure it was just a, a, a subs yeah, it's a typo uh, error. For sure. um, so yeah, very funny. So this moment where they were talking about the wedding photos, though, that's what made him feel like Takagi. Um, so um, I preferred <laughs> sorry tyler just sent me a, a photo of the the actor portraying yeah tagagi tagagi i can't even pronounce it properly tagagi tagagi <laughs> um he's great you love him just admit it you would marry him right now tagagi i don't think so we'll see we'll see how i feel after no <laughs> the, the full all the episodes um, I really like Sato, though. Uh, she was probably one of the more likable characters for me. Uh, she didn't do anything memorable, really, <laughs> but I did enjoy the actress's performance. Um, what? Well, I liked when she shot down Takagi oh, here, and I uh, was like, I'm not getting those pictures. I thought, like, I thought Sato was great, and I, I think, I think, I think these are perfect. I think Sato and Takagi were perfectly cast. I'm not just doing this to annoy you, <laughs> but I think he really gets, like, Takagi's bumbling personality through really well, and uh, it helps that he looks like the You know what? Dork. I thought I he was it. too tame. I would have wanted him to amp up that bumbliness, for me at least. Sato, I think, was perfect. Even with that statement, she didn't even mean to direct it at Takagi, or she didn't mean, like, I never want to get married. Like, she, maybe she just meant she doesn't want, like frilly wedding photos but of course takagi reads it as completely being rejected by her which it's like they're on totally two different wavelengths when it comes to romance so that is uh very much like them from the anime um so yeah takagi i'm i'm hoping that they amp up the silliness with him uh because then i will really like him but for now i was like eh, he, he's okay he's okay <laughs> I also got to say, it felt really refreshing not to just have Megari there. So I really hope that Sato and Takagi kind of be like the main investigative uh, duo for the uh, live action series. That would feel really okay, cool. Okay, well, uh, I think you're in luck because uh, I don't know if Megari shows up. Because um, I did like a quick search of the cast for these and his name wasn't in there at all. He did appear in the TV specials, so I'm not sure why they uh, chose to um, keep him out of these ones. I, I don't know. I could be totally wrong, 
but I'm kind of hoping we do see Megri at some point. But it is an interesting choice to have them as the like two investigators when you're just starting off, you know, a new series and not go with someone a little bit more iconic like Megri. But um, yeah, I, I just hope that we do see him <laughs> sometime. I don't know. I feel like I feel like Takaki is the most iconic character we could get, possibly. Oh yeah, I mean, He's besides great. like obviously the th- the three main guy- people, but uh, like we'll, we're gonna get Sonico later. We're gonna get Aerie. I didn't think there'd be such a reversal. Like you're such a big Takagi fan, and now the tides have turned. I'm the number one fan. You're the... <laughs> I want to marry Takaki <laughs> of the live action. I think that's w- what differentiates it. I'm just so I'm like such an anime Takagi purist that I can't possibly accept any other adaptation of him. And well, maybe the manga too. Like, but that those kind of go like coincide. They're talking to the Sabuchi, and he asks if they found the criminal yet, and tells Takagi to make sure they arrest him. Oh boy, uh, maybe you shouldn't say that, because uh, that, that's kind of bad news if they actually find out, buddy. Uh, he says he got a good look at the criminal, and it was a large man with a scar on his forehead and cropped black hair. These features sound familiar to Takagi, and Sate says it's the features of Mizaki, a suspect wanted for serial robberies. Oh, really? I thought it was Harry Potter. Says a wanted pose. Oh. Scar on his forehead. Yeah, Harry Potter. <laughs> I was like, it's Harry Potter. Oh, that's a good point. Uh, Shinichi says there's a wanted poster for the criminal downstairs and that he has a picture on his cell phone. While not completely certain, Sabuchi says it does resemble him. I do like how this guy just saw, like, this is, he put as much thought into this as the, like, Shinichi did when he was coming up with the Conan Edogawa name where he just <laughs> looked around and picked words he saw. Because he totally did that. He's just like, who can I frame? Oh, there's a photo of a guy. That guy did it. <laughs> And then we get a great Takagi moment here, and he's like, alright, I'm gonna call HQ, and we're gonna arrange for Murasaki's arrest. And is like, he's a wanted criminal already. Like, He's already wanted for arrest. What are you doing? <laughs> he's like, oh, okay. <laughs> See, that totally like went past me. I I mean, I knew it happened, but Takagi would've like... And I get it. It's the translation between the live action and the anime. You don't get characters like flopping over or anything or like crashing down to the floor or I don't know, have like sweat sweat uh marks on it. Do you want do you want Sato's head to grow big or something when she's yelling at him? Preferably, yes. No, I'm kidding. I don't know. That would be interesting to see, like, a live-action anime adaptation that, like, took that stuff and applied it. That would seem, like, I don't know how it would work. I, like, I don't know. I feel like that might be too crazy, but I, I'm also very interested in seeing if anybody has done that. Because, like, putting that style, like, that would be funny. Like, obviously, you're using special effects and stuff to achieve it, but it could be done, mm-hmm. you know? Well, who knows? Maybe we'll see it in a future episode. <laughs> Shinichi asks Abuchi about Mamako. He says that she was cheerful and sociable. She had been living abroad and then returned to Japan to work for fashion magazines. She also regularly helped him by being his model. She was very beautiful and a wonderful woman, her killer states. Sabuchi says that nobody held a grudge against her and he's surprised that Shinichi asked such a question. Shinichi says he doubts it was a robber. 
He explains that Momoka has choke marks on her neck and was strangled by hand. However, they were struck by an iron pipe. If a criminal brought a weapon with them, then she should have been attacked with it as well. Which makes sense. Although maybe, like, I I could see something where, like, in a struggle they lose their weapon. And so they just use their hands or anything. But maybe there weren't signs of, like, a prolonged struggle or anything like that. Mm Mm-hmm. No, but, I mean, some good points are being raised. Takagi confirms the cause of death was suffocation and notes that her personal items are scattered and there were traces of pollen left behind. The pollen came from flowers on the floor, which are Casablancas. I didn't know that was a flower. I just thought it was a movie. <laughs> and a city. Is it? What's a city? Uh, isn't Casablanca a city? Where? Where? That's what oh, I'm asking. In Morocco? Oh, you're right. The largest city of Morocco. Apologies to our Moroccan listenership, which is clearly in the ones. <laughs> Shout out to you guys. Ron says that the flowers stand for dignity, which uh, I'm sure will be the greatest. Thank you, Ron. I think he even asks her, he's like, what's the flower language, yeah, Ron? <laughs> and she's like, dignity. And he's like, oh, well, that won't matter. <laughs> See, again, something that Shinichi would might have known he wouldn't know a flower language come on i wonder we did have that case um at like a flower convention and the murder uh weapon was the flower kind of um it had to like bloom and and then it dispersed some sort of fumes do you recall which one i'm talking about Anyways, I thought that maybe they got into flower... Yeah, the the Casablanca (laughs) flower murder case. Okay, never mind. I feel like we covered flower language sometime in the anime, but I could be wrong. Uh, Despite Shinichi's objection, Takagi thinks it's obviously a robbery. Shinichi tells Takagi that the robbery attempt looks as if it was done by an amateur rather than a professional like Murzaki. Sabuchi acts concerned for his pregnant wife and asks to leave. However, Shinichi wants to ask him some questions first. He asks why the door was unlocked, as a thief would typically lock the door out of fear if they were ransacking a place. Sabuchi says they just happened to arrive as he was leaving and that they had very bad luck. Shinichi says he highly doubts it was a robbery and that it's most likely a murder that was covered up to look like a robbery. Sabuchi brings up the attack and that he saw the man that ransacked the place. You may be- I love this line from him. He says, you may be a famous detective... But a high school student is still just a high school oh, student. the burn. So, like, he's bringing you that Colleen <laughs> attitude here. I would never speak those words to Shinichi. And he's like, I want a proper investigation <laughs> by Takagi, a guy that knows okay, what he's doing. Okay, I did doing. love that part. He, like, turned around, like, you know, basically talked to the hand Shinichi. And then he bows to uh, Takagi and Sato, be like, I put my trust in you guys. Before Sabushi can leave, Shinichi pulls out a large piece of photography equipment out of the closet and asks what it is. Sabuchi says it's a strobe lamp, and Shinichi asks why it would be in a model's home. Sabuchi says that it's actually his, and explains that Momoko was also interested in learning how photos are taken, so he learned her his. Shinichi says the lamp is still a little warm, and Sabuchi says that she must have been using it. Shinichi says it's strange, as there's something not in this apartment that should be here. A camera. Hmm. Where did the camera go, I loved that this was one of the pinnacle moments of, like, the problematic moments, because that was the thing that he hesitated about at the very beginning. 
and he ended up grabbing the camera. But now that it's coming back back to haunt him, it just felt really satisfying. Mocha had a strobe lamp and even a dark room to develop them, but no camera? That makes no sense. Sabuchi says it might have been one of the things that was stolen and heads off to leave. While tying his shoes, Ron walks up behind him and notices a large mirror. She's just completely enamored with it. And she's like, huh, this is strange. It only reflects half of me. And so she's like posing here. She's like, where's the other half? I can't find it. And then Shanice's like, Eureka. Thank you, Ron. Now I've figured out the one and only truth. Catchphrase. Dream yeah. Work. So it was nice that that made the, the, the catchphrase made an appearance. Um, it might have just been me, but that uh, clue-giving moment by Ron kind of reminded me of what Ayumi does for Conan. Because uh, she'll just say, like, this random thing, and it, it will seem irrelevant, but it gives Conan... He basically treated her yeah. the same way, too. It was like he patted Ron on the head. He's like, you know what? You did a good job. Thank you. <laughs> so, there's that. Shinichi says he knows why the strobe lamp is still warm. And that the angle of the mirror has been twisted and the trick was to show both of them a criminal that actually didn't exist. The criminal put the strobe lamp in a blind spot from the door and then used the mirror's reflection to show Kishi an intense flash of light after triggering it remotely. Shinichi asked Sabuchi to press the shutter on his digital SLR camera that he has around his neck and he complies, activating the flash. Takagi and Sato are stunned by it and Shinichi explains that the criminal then hit Kishi with his weapon, which was likely a tripod. So, uh, yeah, he's looking pretty guilty. Yep. Oh, it just gets better, though, because this guy does not give up. Like, Shinichi ke- keeps throwing things at him, and he's just like, well, obviously I would have this because of this reason. So he's just sticking to his story. Shinichi says the one that killed Momoko was none other than Sabuchi. He denies this and asks for evidence of the crime. Shinichi asks if Sabuchi was seeing Momoko, as that would be an excellent motive. He says he'd never betray his wife and tries to leave again. And Shinichi says he's trying to leave so he can steal evidence. He then asks to see what's in the camera bag. And Sabuchi's happily to show him. He says it's a backup camera. And Shinichi finds it odd that it's a classic film camera, which he shouldn't have since he normally works with a digital camera. Shinichi says the camera is the one that should be in Momoko's apartment and that he stole it after killing her and that it likely contains a photo showing evidence of his crime. Sabuchi asks what Shinichi would do if there wasn't anything like that in the camera and Shinichi says he would completely stop being a detective. So uh, his whole career is on the line. We might not get a Detective Cannon series. That's kind of like a, a big bet for Shinichi. So he, like, you know that... He's confident in his uh, thinking. And then there's a moment of doubt, too, later on. Just like, wait a minute. There, there was supposed to be evidence here. But luckily, our boy manages to save the day, if you want to call it that. Sabuchi gives the police the okay to inspect the camera, and Shinichi is certain that the truth will be found from it. Sabuchi is confident there won't be anything in the camera about him or Momoko from the time of the crime. The two then have this, like, stare down. Which is quite intense. I like that. I like the little rivalry between criminal and detective. I thought this played it up really well. I thought like the them going back and forth this whole episode was mm-hmm, highly entertaining. Sure. And it kind of uh, it gave it more than the initial like oh this is a crime of passion like kind of murdered her in cold blood type of thing where 
he actually like figured out how to maybe cover up his crime and then later on he was able to ask the right questions or like give the right sort of answers or rebuttal to Shinichi's questions so it's not like he's just some you know dumb guy and he he wasn't prepared in some way Kishi then develops the photographs in the dark room it's a bunch of photos of Momoko and Sabuchi is confident and he declares that he had nothing to do with the crime Sato then comes into the room and tells Shinichi that the two pollens are identical so uh-oh something happened and this is when we learn that Shinichi had an alternative plan here and uh shinichi says from the camera pollen from the casablanca's at the crime scene was detected on the body of this camera he then explains that the flowers arrived from a local florist this morning which means the camera had to be there this morning and that sabuchi was lying about just coming in here shinichi says that shibuchi took the camera since it symbolized the close relationship he had with momoko and he was never interested in the pictures. He just wanted to buy time so the pollen could be checked. So, wow, got that, his ass. That was great. They, <laughs> that was probably the best Shinichi moment of the episode for me. Yeah, this boy's playing 4D chess. You know, even That's though right. he's a high schooler, he's not just a high schooler. High school. <laughs> that whole that that uh, saying that the photographer had, like, forget that. <laughs> Sabushi says he never did anything bad. Momoko was toying with him. That's why he had to do it. Shinichi then tells Sabuchi to take a look at the final photograph that she took. And it's basically a flip book of her mouthing, I love you. Yeah. <laughs> Sato then receives a report from the coroner that says that Momoko lived for quite a while after being strangled. If Sabuchi had called an ambulance, her life might have been saved. And Shinichi says, I'm certain she wanted to protect both her sister and the man she loved. Momoko was trying to suppress the feelings she had for you and chose to break up with you. Such a brave and pure woman, he says of the adulterer. Yeah. This is hilarious. The way that like he frames this is ridiculous. She was cheating on her sister with her sister's husband. And he's trying to say she was like pure and brave. Yeah, pure and brave for breaking ridiculous. up with her, uh, what, I don't know what the, the man version of a mistress is, but yeah, <laughs> I'm with you there. I I thought, like, I kind of made a weird face at that. I'm like, eh, that doesn't sound like, th- that should be in the same sentence. <laughs> Just because you're trying to fix a problem that you created doesn't mean you're, like, holier mm-hmm. than thou. Like, it, painting her as, like, a saint here is really weird when she was <laughs> cheating yeah. on her sisters. Oh, like, self-realization. Oh, like, oh, I will stop this uh, this affair. And she was pregnant, too. She was pregnant. <laughs> and... This is... Yeah. And Shinichi says, The woman who loved you from the bottom of her heart with your hands you've buried her into the earth. Why, he killed his wife? <laughs> oh, oh, no. So. This causes Sabuchi to break down crying, and he apologizes to the home-wrecking sister. I'm sorry, Momoko! <laughs> Ron also says she feels sorry for Momoko as the man weeps. I did not feel sorry for her. I don't I, I, I feel like marriage is such a sacred thing that, like... And may, maybe I'm more put off by this because it is, like, a, uh... It's live-action rather than just anime characters. 
but like just thinking about this poor pregnant woman like her sister like not only does she have to deal with the death of her sister she also finds out that her husband had an affair and now she's gonna have a baby where the father's locked up forever like having killed the baby yeah. uh, the baby's aunt like if we're feeling bad for somebody it oh, should definitely. be her you know Marco's sister is the real victim and the baby so sister and sister's baby are the victims here yeah it's ridiculous but whatever uh back in the white room so we get away from the flashback and shinichi types in i love you uh into the display and this is all kind of done during like the credit sequence which i thought was kind of cool uh this opens a door and they enter a second white room that then closes and there's just (laughs) a spoon levitating in the air and i was very confused and then a second display appears uh saying september 2nd 2010 and we then get a preview for the next episode which has like a television broadcast and a psychic and it looks like we're in first just yeah something it looks pretty crazy. exciting so what do you think about the first live action episode oh boy um so the case felt ordinary to me compared to some of the other stuff that detective conan comes up with um i wasn't able to um to um confirm this or not but i don't think Goshoyama had anything to do with writing this he's credited as the mangaka obviously but i think other people wrote this so it kind of just it felt like they wanted to do some sort of mystery like crime murder and then they just used well-known characters from another show and plopped them in there um so but like they did throw some curveballs in there about how like the culprit faked an assault from a fake burglar the pollen getting on the camera um it just wasn't as gripping or exciting as a typical detective conan episode for me um i think the best part of the case was the sad realization that uh momoko was still alive a little while afterwards and if the guy just called an ambulance rather than trying to figure out how to cover up his crime he could have saved her so that was probably the one like thing that really hit me and kind of made an emotional impact um so overall i mean if he saw she was still alive wouldn't he just finish off the job like i don't really he just tried the murder what like five seconds later he's gonna be like you know what i actually should call an ambulance you know (laughs) my bad yeah. I kind of give it way too know? far. I'm actually going to I'm I'm actually going to expose my affair uh and ruin my life by calling an ambulance here. You know that's the problem. Well, yeah, but so. I mean, it's you're saving a life. <laughs> it's unrealistic. It's unrealistic to think that the person that just tried killing her if he found out she's still alive is going to go, "You know what? I should call an ambulance." Maybe Maybe we can hook back up after my yeah. divorce. No, I I get that. It's just it like once he re- like sees the photo book and like whatever breaks down in, into tears. It, that's the only kind of emotional impact that this episode had for me. Um, so I don't know. I didn't like it that much. Maybe my expectations going into it were a little too high. 
Maybe I was trying to compare it too much to the anime, like with the characters. I, basically, all of them, except for maybe Kogoro, all of them felt off to me. Um, so maybe I just have to like look at this as its own thing, obviously inspired by the manga and the anime, but uh, I shouldn't necessarily say like these are going to be exact copies of the characters because the actors are definitely trying to portray the characters and um, do uh, like bring their own style to them. So next one, I'm going to go in with maybe more of a blank slate, kind of remembering what this episode was about. Um, but uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. Honestly, like, uh, I'm kind of on the other end of the spectrum. I was really impressed with this. I was surprised how well, like, Detective Conan worked as, you know, like a live action series. I think it works well, uh, especially with you know, like, having Shinichi as the character. And I think it's a real interesting change to have, you know, Shinichi as the star rather than Conan, because, you know, he's he's more competent and it's a, a very different dynamic. And I feel like Conan works a lot better for the manga just because of how mm -hmm. ridiculous it is of having this little kid uh, do stuff and, like, knocking out Kogoro each episode. I feel like that definitely lends itself to manga a lot better. But, like... As for just, you know, as like a mystery, I thought this was really solid as like a, a, a TV show experience. Obviously, we knew the killer, but, you know, th less of a mystery. This was more of a drama. And I thought it delivered the drama of, you know, uh, Shinichi going back and forth with the criminal in this war of wits. You know, like, uh, I thought that was a really interesting way to portray the whole thing. I thought the villain was great. I thought the way he was able to go toe to toe with Shinichi was really good. I thought the Kogoro <laughs> cameo was hilarious. I'm not quite sold on the whole uh, framing device yet, but we'll see how it goes. Um, it's kind of hard to judge after one episode. Um, I'm excited for the psychic episode. I was really impressed. I liked all the performances. Um, I thought Takagi and Sate were fantastic. I thought they killed it. Uh, I do agree. Ron seems a bit uh, a little bit self-absorbed or maybe just spacey is a better term she's kind of like unaware of everything that's going and maybe that's true of the uh anime too because she does just kind of <laughs> screw off and like not contribute for 20 minutes of each episode uh, so maybe this is what she's doing maybe she's just looking at mirrors and stuff and they don't just show it so this might be actually more accurate uh, <laughs> to ron's real personality but besides, like, the little quibbles of Ron, I thought it was really solid. I think the Shinichi's pretty good. He might not be as charismatic as you would want, but, like, other than that, I thought the performance was pretty solid. I didn't have any major hang-ups with him. So I, I walked away, like, a lot more impressed than I did. Uh, full disclosure, I also like that Netflix uh, Death Note oh. <laughs> thing, so my quality of taste is, like, trash. But, um... I was a fan of this. I really liked it, and I'm really excited to watch more of these live action stuff. Like, I'm I'm a big fan, and I'm kind of disappointed we didn't get multiple TV series of this. But we have a bunch of movies and stuff. We have twelve more episodes. I'm excited to watch it. Like, I I thought maybe this would be a drag, and I'd be like, oh, we have to do a live action episode each time. But I'm actually pretty into it. And um, as for the quality of the mystery itself. It seemed like a run-of-the-mill, like, anime original quality. I didn't think it was, like, hugely down from the anime or anything. I thought it was okay. Like, I didn't I didn't get that feeling like you were saying about 
uh, it not filling Detective Conan and they just threw the characters in. I like, it, I thought the dynamics definitely changed because it's Shinichi and not Conan, but I did think the characters had enough of themselves. I think you're too <laughs> upset over Takagi and not realizing that you've been adoring this dork the whole time. Maybe I was just upset over all the characters. Like, I have a bit of, I'm coming at it with a bit of like a, a lukewarm reception them but we'll see how the rest of the series goes i'm excited to uh get introduced to the live action sonico airy apparently is going to show up too so it'll be fun to see uh what actual actors can do with a kogro airy kind of argument um and i don't think he's gonna appear but it would really be interesting if heiji made an appearance but i don't think it's gonna happen we'll find out i i think he definitely appears in the uh Ooh. The movie afterwards but maybe we'll see him we'll find out so at some point we'll see live action heiji um but maybe not during this series who knows maybe we will uh so yeah next podcast we're doing the locker room in the sky shinichi's kid's first case one hour special want to thank everybody for listening uh you can follow us on twitter at case underscore reopen our patreon is putting out an ep- uh, three episodes every month right now so if you want bonus content you'll get case closed coverage Magic Kaito, and we're covering Yaiba, so a lot of fun stuff there. Uh, we just covered Case Closed Episode 4, where the Junior Detective League forms. That was a, that was a real fun one to cover, right, Colleen? It was, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I guess we'll sign off. I'm Tyler Treese, that's Chelsea, <laughs> and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye, and remember, one truth always prevails.